Good morning. It's good to see everyone. Thank for coming. Until uh, relatively recently, uh, the last uh, 30, 40 years, the medical community uh, assumed that since a baby's nervous system was immature and uh, underdeveloped, that they didn't treat uh, their pain uh, or presumed pain as aggressively as it would be uh, typically treated um, by an adult. But uh, since then, in the late 70s, early 80s, um, there were tests that were done, and uh, obviously the babies cannot talk, but their pain was expressed, uh, they studied it, was expressed in other means, like elevated blood pressure and hormones that were typically associated with people who were experiencing pain. They tested and noticed that babies uh, were emitting those same hormones, and facial expressions that were typical of a person in pain were also being uh, demonstrated by babies uh, who were experiencing pain, and therefore uh, the medical community kind of uh, adjusted and uh, started to treat the pain of infants more aggressively um, than they were doing so previously. So the discussion of anesthetics during bris mila by a child, by an infant, didn't really come up until uh, more, uh, more recent years. By an adult, it was always the subject of discussion. But there are two ways uh, to go about uh, anesthetizing a person who's undergoing a circumcision of bris mila. First is you could uh, give, uh, I don't want to speak in front of people who know obviously uh, way more than I do about this, but one uh, way is to go about by giving a, a nerve blocker or an injection in that uh, specific area, certainly general anesthesia uh, uh, is also an option. Those are not uh, embraced by the medical community even at large. With regards to an infant, um, it is going to be a discussion by an adult, but not with regards to an infant because they entail some measure of risk and uh, the risks don't... Uh, don't uh, the risks outweigh the benefits? Because having e- even an injection in the area, nerve block or general anesthesia, entails some uh, compli- you know risk of complications, and therefore um, it's not something that is generally pursued. But there is a topical anesthetic called an Emla cream, which has um, lidocaine in it and serves as somewhat uh, to to anesthetize the area. There are conflicting studies in the American Academy of Pediatrics whether or not that really works to alleviate the pain of the child significantly uh, or not, and therefore they vacillate whether or not, and they go back and forth whether or not it should be recommended or should not be recommended, but from my understanding is that is the general practice. Uh, nowadays, if you were in a hospital, circumcision is being performed, they would use a topical anesthetic, uh, uh, this Emla cream. Now, even though there are studies that have demonstrated that this Emla cream, this uh, topical anesthetic does alleviate somewhat the pain of the child uh, undergoing the circumcision, the brismila, um, those studies are somewhat different than what we're discussing in our typical uh, brismigo that's being performed by a male. Because in a hospital, the way, my understanding is, the way that a uh, circumcision is performed is not the way that a, a typical male would do a circumcision. It's using what's known, I think, for the most part, a gumco clamp. Gumco clamp was something that was developed by a male named Avram Goldstein in the 30s. That's why it's called Gumco. It's G-O for Goldstein, and for medical, C-O company. So he labeled it after himself. So this is the Gumco clamp, which is a little bell that fits underneath the Arha Arla. And then there's a clamp that you clamp down the bell to a ring uh, that goes around it, and that cuts off circulation to the Arha Arla, and it's left like that for a a few minutes, if not longer, it cuts off circulation, and the blood begins to clot, and therefore when the physician comes 
and makes an incision around to cut off the skin. There's minimal bleeding, and then aftercare, post, you know, post-op, uh, is, is also, uh, you risk, you know, you lower the risk of infection because the bleeding is less, which is always better, and, you know, the post-op care is also minimal because the wound heals much quicker, and the, sir, the uh, incision is much more aesthetically pleasing because it goes all the way around as opposed to just one, uh, one cut. So that's the way it's performed in a hospital. Now, if you use a topical anesthetic, and the procedure lasts for five or you know minutes or longer. So then, then uh, the studies you know might indicate that the topical anesthetic is is uh, does provide significant benefit. But that not, might not necessarily be the case with regards to armilo, which takes place you know in a few matter of seconds. Whether or not the topical anesthetic is as critical or is as significant, of course, is debatable. So whether or not the topical anesthetic provides relief for the child, you know in general is debatable, and certainly whether it would be applicable in our context is also debatable. But if it does, so then uh, we would obviously have, uh, you know, be obligated to avail ourselves of that technique to lessen the pain uh, of the child, and if one would, would, would not be allowed to cause undue uh, discomfort to the child to be included in the Easter uh, of Chavala, of uh, injuring or damaging uh, someone else. But what is one allowed to use, assuming that the, the uh, topical anesthetic would provide significant benefit to the child, is one allowed to use, or a person undergoing brismila, is he allowed to use anesthetics uh, for brismila? So the Pasuk tells us in this coming week's parsha, in Parsha's Lechafah, that when Avram Avinu performed the brismila, he performed the brismila, that's when he became a gemal. So the Medrash comments there. Amr Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana, here Gishvinitztayer. He uh, felt the pain and he increased his own pain. Because the Pasuk doesn't say, Nemo Basar Avraham. He, uh, his flesh you know, received the Mila. It says, he received the Mila, which implied that he uh, experienced more pain than would have been typical. In order so that a Kaddish Baruch Hu should give him more reward, like the Mishnah and Avos Lefum Tzara Agra, so he increased his own uh, discomfort in order to receive a greater measure of reward. So writes the uh, Remeir Arik. Remeir Arik is a well-known Pesach from Galicia in the early 1900s in his Chuvus Imre Yosher. Writes that you see from here one is not allowed to use anesthetics uh, at the time of brismila, Adaraba, part of the mitzvah of Mila entails that a person dis- experiences discomfort, and the more discomfort that he experiences, so the more uh, reward he will receive. Even at that time, they had anesthetics, they had chloroform or other, other type of anesthetics that they were discussing. And he uh, claims one is not allowed to use anesthetics because uh, pain is itself part of, the, part of the process, part of the mitzvah of brismila. And he goes on to say that even though Chazal also had um, methods of pain relief, they did not utilize them or advocate that they be used during Brismila. How do you know that Chazal had forms of anesthetics? Because the Gemara tells us in Masechus Bavakama, that there are uh, five things that a person who damages his friend has to pay. As we know, he has to pay uh, Nezek, Riboy, Sheves, and uh, and Barshes. So we'll get to, right? Nezek, Riboy, Sheves, and Barshes. The fifth one is Tsar, as Uncle Jack pointed out correctly, Tsar. So how do you measure Tsar? You say, well, to, how do you assess, uh, you know, attach a monetary value to it? You say to the person, how much would you pay to be relieved of this pain? 
Okay. What if a person loses a limb as a result of someone else's actions? He's not in pain. He lost a limb. What is the tsar that is associated with the loss of limb? So says the Gemara, How much would a person take who is already going to lose the limb because of some punishment for some action that he did? The government is going to remove the limb. Those oppressive governments. Fine, they were going to remove the limb, but they were going to remove it with a knife. How much would he pay to have it not removed with a knife or the sayif, but rather with some, with medication, which the assumption is there is no pain involved. So says Mayor Arik, you see that they had methods of pain relief. How could you remove the limb without any pain? Must be that they had some a method of removing, uh, you know, alleviating the pain. And nonetheless, it never appears in the Gemara that they advocated that we use it uh, for brismila. So it must be that the tsar is itself part of the process of, uh, part of the mitzvah of Mila. The Sri Deyesh, uh, later contemporary of Rameyar Arik and his uh, Truvis, disagrees with, uh, with the Imre Yosha, and he argues that no, pain is not part of the mitzvah of Mila. Yes, Avram Avinu might have done a Midas Chesidus and uh, increased his level of pain, however we understand that, in order that a Baruch should reward him, but uh, that certainly is not a normative uh, activity. We cannot assume that pain is part of the uh, mitzvah of bris milah. Others argue, if you take the argument of Mayor Arik to uh, you know, another uh, context, <coughs> that uh, we, sir, you know, we could prove that we don't accept Mayor Arik's arguments from a different context. There's an article that was written by Arya Leib Barron, who was in Altamira, who lived in Montreal, who was in part of the group that was in Shanghai. So he printed an article in the journal called Hadarom. So he argues that if Tsar is part of the midst of Brismila, well, the Pasuk tells us in Parashas Bereshis that Be'etzeth tell Dibonim, that Chava should, because of part of the punishment of eating from the Eitzadas, that women experience pain during childbirth. Would anybody suggest, he says, that we cannot engage in methods of pain relief for a woman who is uh, going through childbirth because it's part of the process is that you're supposed to be in pain and therefore and there it's even the, directly more addressed by the pasuk. We, we certainly would, that has not been our position and we would not embrace such a such a perspective. So he says the same way by childbirth or you're supposed to earn your parnasa by the sweat of your brow. Would anybody say that you have to schwitz more than necessary or we definitely that's not been our position. So he claims that, uh, therefore, as well, that should not be our position either when it comes to Brismila. The Tzitz Eliezer writes in his Trubas, even though Alpi Halacha, he agrees with the Sri Yesh, he says Alpi Kabbalah, there's an Indian to have pain at the Brismila. He says, well, that's why many daven at the time that the child is crying at the Brismila, because it says in Sifrei Kabbalah that the Tfilois that are offered at the time that the child is crying go straight to the Rebbe Shalom, go through all of the uh, Sha'arim, all of the gates, of Shemaim go straight to Akadosh Baruch Hu. However, in the Sefer Nishma Savram, which is a classical work on all uh, medical halachic questions uh, by D- Dr. Abraham S. Abraham, he quotes there from Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, who was in our base Medrash uh, about a year ago. So he says, he says, I never heard of this before, that the Tzitz Eliezer says that uh, people should daven when a child is crying because the feels go right to the Rebbein Shalom. He says he's, you know, scoured, you know, searched the entire literature of Kabbalah and never found uh, such an Indian. He does say, though, there is an Indian to endure some measure of pain. 
by the Leda, that is Mechaber of the Chet of the Eitz Hadas, we do whatever we can to alleviate the discomfort of the woman, the pain that she experiences during childbirth. He says, if you want to make a big deal about it, we should make a big deal about it by Leda. But not by Brismila, there is no such, uh, so, no such concept. They said to do an injection, a nerve blocker, or general anesthesia, there is risk that's involved. We should not undertake that risk. But if you have a topical anesthetic, like a cream, then we should use it. It can be used. And uh, we, should, we should use it in order to alleviate the discomfort uh, of the child. It is not common practice, though, to use a topical anesthetic uh, for brismila. It could be because... Maybe, you know, our brismilum are so quick that topical anesthetic really doesn't make that much of a difference. But in the other uh, well-known safer medical ethics called the Encyclopedia Hilchatit Rufuit by Dr. Steinberg, Dr. Abraham Steinberg, he says he thinks that the myelum have not embraced it uh, for two reasons. The first is it makes the uh, area which they're operating in more slippery. You apply a cream and now it's uh, oily. They always have an oil base. So in the hospital, what they do is, I've been told by an anesthesiologist, what they do is they apply the cream, they wait a little bit, and then they wipe it off, and then the area becomes, uh, becomes, uh, you know, like it was before, becomes dry. And, and our brismila, uh, you know, the mile comes uh, 20 minutes before, he's going to apply a cream right away, and you're not going to have time to clean it and to wait for it to dry. So maybe that's why it hasn't been encouraged. But I think that the, the greater reason that it hasn't been embraced is what the Sri Yesh writes, is because Mayalim are not, uh, are not, uh, generally welcoming of, of changes to their procedure. They've been doing this uh, time-honored uh, traditions about how to go about brismila, and as we know from other uh, you know, areas where Muslims have been encouraged to change the way they do things, it, it doesn't, uh, it's usually not successful. So, so over here, the Sri Deish claims we should not be uh, so quick to change our procedure of going about brismila uh, and, and embrace even a topical anesthetic. So how did the Gumco clamp achieve such uh, widespread acceptance 30 years ago, 50 years ago? Because it was easy. See, the problem is, let's say you live in out of town, right? So you're going to fly a male in to do your brismila. He doesn't want to stick around for three days, and every male has to come back three days later to check on it and rewrap the, the, the site. So it would be much easier for a male if you could come, do the clamp, you cut it, it's all done, and minimal care that's required afterwards. You don't have to come back and check it again. So the myelum, some myelum were happy about it. But the Gedalim were against the clamp because the, it doesn't always have bleeding. And they felt that bleeding itself is part of the brismila. That's how tough is the bris. You have to have blood. So that's why the, all the Gedalim, when this came out in the 30s, right away almost, all the Gedalim uh, acid using the gum coat clamp. And it not now used universally? <coughs> in hospitals, not by myelim. You won't find myelim using it. There are other clamps that might serve the same purpose but alleviate the problem, have some measure of bleeding, but that's a, a whole separate system. What if you have a child who might not be able to have the meal on the eighth day? Right. But if you give him anesthetics, you know, there's less of a concern. Why can't he have a meal on the eighth day? Now, let's say, I don't know, he's a little bit sick, but not... We don't do any meal. We don't, no, no. So that's what I'm saying. If the anesthetic would, would help no, in some ways no. to, to remove that no. issue... No. This all is fine when you're dealing with an infant. What about an adult who's coming for brismila? What are you going to tell him, uh, you know? <laughs> then, then you have someone on, on, the, on the other side of the table. So, so a person, let's say, is about shuva, and he's coming later in life uh, to Shmir's Taran Mitzvah. So w- w- what about um, some, uh, some anesthetics for him? So, and I don't think topical anesthetics, some ha- Emla cream is going to, to do the trick. He wants something a little bit more 
uh, heavier, he would like a full sedation or a general anesthesia, cannot be allowed with regards to prismila. So even according to those who, who would allow a general, you know, a topical anesthetic, which we said was the position of the Sridayesh, here the Sridayesh uh, says no, you cannot have general anesthesia for prismila. Again, even though he allowed a topical anesthetic, he said he doesn't think the Mayim are going to embrace it because it's a change from the way they've been doing things. But even though, but he thought Meikra Adina could be allowed. <laughs> However, with regards to general anesthesia, the Sri Dayesh um, um, uh, claims that that is not uh, sufficient. You're not allowed to use general anesthesia for Brismila because he, a person has to be awake during the meal because of the general rule of Mitzvah Trichas Kavana. Shulchan Aruch here in Archaim and Simon Samach quotes the well known Machlek Sarishainim. Can a person fulfill a mitzvah if he doesn't have kavana for the mitzvah when he's doing that action? He knows what he's doing, but he doesn't have intention for the mitzvah. He's eating matzah because it's a crunchy, nice snack, but he doesn't have intention for the mitzvah of matzah. Um, is he yaitzi the mitzvah? So yesh aimim she'ein mitzvah tzrichas kavana, v'yesh aimim she'tzrichas kavana, some hold it doesn't require kavana, some hold it does. V'chein halacha, and that's how we paskin. Mitzvah tzrichas kavana, so much so that you'd have to go back and do the mitzvah again if you did it without kavana. You wouldn't make another bracha, because some hold the mitzvahs ain't shrikas kavana, but we pass in mitzvahs shrikas kavana, certainly a mitzvah midday raisa, and you would have to go back and do it again if you didn't uh, have kavana the first time. And even though he's not the one who's doing it himself, the Maya was going to be doing it uh, to him, it's uh, no different than Tkiya Someone else blows Tkiya Shaifer. We're listening. We have to have Kavana to be Yaitse in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Tkiya Shaifer. If you're just listening because it's enjoyable, you don't have intention for the mitzvah of Tkiya Shaifer, you're not Yaitse. So, so too, the way we pass, and so to the mitzvah Mila, he would have to be awake for the mitzvah Mila in order to fulfill this mitzvah Strichus uh, Kavana. The baby, the mitzvah is on the father. Yeah. Until he becomes bar mitzvah, it's not his mitzvah. So a baby doesn't need kavana. First of all, cannot have kavana. But also, it's until he's thirteen years old, it's the father's mitzvah. Once he becomes thirteen, it becomes the ba- you know it's transferred to the yeah. child. So if someone had a medical, so there's no foreskin, but then converts. So not Jewish, they get a medical one two days, and then want to convert. You still have to have blood drawn from. You're asking a general question. Person has a circumcision as a Gentile. A circumcision, they're not Jewish, so they convert. Yeah. And I want to convert. Does he require a toughest dambris? It's a machlegs in the Gemara. We pass, and he does require a toughest dambris. What is a, a more interesting question, and it happens often, is people think that they're Jewish and have a bris meal because he thinks he's Jewish, and then uh, he converts. He wasn't really Jewish, and he had a meal, and he had a, you know a bagels and locks and the whole story. So, and now he convert. He realized he wasn't Jewish, and now he converts. So there, uh, many are makol. He doesn't require toughest numbers because he had a real mila. But if he had a mila performed in a, in a hospital by a gentile doctor, yeah, then he would would, would require toughest numbers. So what if what if the father can't be there and he reports this? It's a fantastic discussion about shlichus by Mila pointing a messenger. All right track, good, great point. It would take us way off course. We, we assume, though, he can appoint a shliach to be, he should be there. It's different brochos if he's not there because we reflect the fact that the person who's fulfilling the mitzvah isn't here. But can't be a Having it done, can't he be the same well, that's also because the Gemara says if the father's not there, based in, we all have a communal responsibility for this child. But it's certainly not the child's responsibility. If the father can't be there, perhaps we step into the, you know, we're the guardian of the child and we would take on the responsibility. Does so, other, yeah? Require, uh, uh, Kavana, uh, Kavana, or we say it's not yet Jewish, so. Oh, right, good. We'll get to the last point. We'll get to that. 
So many disagreed over the three day and they held that the, even though we pass in mitzvah trichos kavana, that does not apply uh, to the mitzvah uh, of Mila, meaning it does apply, but you don't have to have kavana at the moment that the arla is being removed. You can have kavana later as well, because the Gemara tells us in Masechus Menachus and Achmem Gimel Medbeis that at the time that David was uh, in the mikvah, he uh, realized that he was unclothed. I'm standing here without any mitzvah. He remembered that he had a bris milah. He became consoled. What do you mean he became consoled with the bris milah? The bris milah happened many years ago. How could he be consoled with the bris milah? So writes the Marach Orzarua, the son of the Orzarua, the 1200s, from the period of the Rishonim. He writes, must be the mitzvah of Mila. It's not the act of removing the Ar Arla. That took place way in the past. That would not provide him with any measure of consolation. Rather, it must be, he says, that's no different than a person who puts tefillin on his arm once. So that, why didn't his arm give him a consolation that he once put tefillin on this arm? So rather, it must be, says Marcos Arua, the mitzvah of Mila is not removing the Ar Arla, but a status, a matzav, of a person being gamal, that he has no Ar Arla. It was removed in the proper fashion. If it was the act of removing the Why does that provide him with any measure of consolation? It's a mitzvah that's continuous. That is something you fulfill simply by being a state of, uh, of Gemal. So that's why the Marsham of, uh, of Adi Yosef, Rabbi contemporaries of the Sri Dayesh, all disagreed with the Sri Dayesh, and they felt that uh, one could use a general anesthetic uh, for bris milah, because the mitzvah of milah is not removing the ahar, which you have to be awake for that procedure. When he wakes up afterwards, he'll have kavana for the mitzvah of milah, and the mitzvah of milah is not the act of removing the ahar, it'll be the status of, uh, of being gemalt. Rabbi Yitzhak Engel brought another proof that that's the case. Why is that toughest on bris? That can't be. Who said it requires... If, if, if you hold it, it requires a tough-down bris. What Mila, holds a tough-down bris? If Mila requires a tough-down bris... Yeah, you need blood. Came, that doesn't continue. That's only at the time. That part that's the, the act of removing the Ha'arla requires a tough-down bris. So but the fulfillment of the mitzvah is from that moment. If you had a tough-down bris, you did the procedure right and on. And what he's saying has to be performed correctly, but once you had the proper procedure... That proper procedure, which entails Hatafas Dambris, continues on in the future. You had a status of being Gamalk with Hatafas Dambris. You yoy to the mitzvah, you could have Kavano later on. Rabbi Yitzvengel has another proof that it's a status, not necessarily the act of removing the Arla, from Pasuk later on in Parashat Chayi Sarah, where Avram Avinu makes Eliezer take a Shvua that he's going to get a proper Shidduch for, for, uh, for Yitzchak. And he says, Simna Yod Chatachas Yerechi. He asked him to hold his Makam Amila. Why did he ask him to hold the Makam Amila? Because a person who's taking a Shvua has to hold, says Rashi, a Chefta Shom Mitzvah, like I say for terror, it's filling. And uh, Avram Avinu's first Chefta Shom Mitzvah, his favorite one was his Makam Amila. So he asked Eliezer to hold his Makam Amila. So says the Beis of Engel, how could it be that this is a, a Chefta Shom Mitzvah? Say for terror is a Chefta Shom Mitzvah. Tefillin is a Chefta Shom Mitzvah. This is a place where a Mitzvah was happened in the past. Is that a Chefta Shom Mitzvah? Must be. Know that the Mitzvah Mila is a status that continues on in the future as long as it was performed properly in the first place. And uh, that retains the status of a Chefta Shom Mitzvah. However, the truth of the matter is this seems to be an extensive Machlech Sarishonim. What is the nature of the mitzvah of bris milah? Is it the act of removing the ahar or the status of being gemal? For example, the Gemara tells us in the Sechlis Kiddushin that women are exempt from bris milah. 
How do we know? Because the Pasuk tells us in Parashas Vayera, when Avram Avinu gave a Yitzhak of Rismila, he did it, Kasher Tziva Oisai Eloikim, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu had commanded him. So says the Gemara, Ihi Minal and Deloi Machayva, how do we know a woman is not obligated in the midst of Rismila? Because the Pasuk says, Oisai Eloikim, Oisai Veloi Oisa, him, not her. So Tysus there asked a very uh, famous question, why do we need uh, independent Xeris HaKasif to teach us women are exempt from Bismillah? It's a time-bound mitzvah. Women should have been exempt from the general rules of mitzvah sasei shez mangroma. Why is it time-bound? Number one, you have to wait till the eighth day. And even after the eighth day, mitzvah has to be performed during the day. You cannot perform a meal at night. <coughs> so of course it's a time-bound mitzvah. What do we need? Women should have been exempt because... Um, it's a time-bound mitzvah. So Titus has to fetch, and Titus says it's going according to one opinion in the Gemara and Yevamis, that a mila after the eighth day can be performed both by day and by night. We don't pass it like that, but it's going according to that one opinion. That's what Titus says. The Marit there says a totally different answer. Look at the Marit over here in the brackets. He says, it's not a mitzvah as mangrama. The mitzvah sa'achashenasis, after you perform it, the mitzvah continues to be fulfilled both by day and by night. It's not limited to one moment in time of an act of removing the Oha That's obviously how Tysus understood. The Ma'arit says, no, the mitzvah of Mila is, yes, the act of it has to be performed during the day, but the fulfillment, the Kiyomah mitzvah, continues on into the future. So it must be the Ma'arit understood that the mitzvah of Mila is a status of being Gemal, as opposed to an act of Bris Mila, of removing the Oha Similarly, this could be the um, position of the tour. The Gemara tells us in Mesech the Shabbos to fulfill the mitzvah mila, you have to remove uh, the skin that covers over the top of the atara. And if you remove a rib of the skin and you leave some of the skin there, that's called tzitzin she'enam ha'akvin. If you remove a rib, that's sufficient, rubo kakuloi, and the rest of the skin that's there covering the atara is called tzitzin she'enam ha'akvin. Tzitzin, pieces of skin that are not ma'ak, if you yoytze the mitzvah without them. But the Gemara says, the Torah here quotes it, that calls ma'achem is'asik b'milah, chayzer b'en al-tzitzin ha'ma'akvin, b'en al-tzitzin she'en ha'ma'akvin. If, this is the Gemara in Shabbos, and Kufla Megimel, if you're still involved in the milah, you haven't finished the ma'ase milah, so then you go back for, obviously, the roiv of the skin, tzitzin ha'ma'akvin, the roiv skin, and also tzitzin she'en ha'ma'akvin. Why do we go back for Tzitzin Sheinam Ha'akvin? It's a Hidur Mitzvah. Because it looks nicer. You remove, or it's halachically ad, uh, you know, advantageous. Remove all of the skin as a Hidur Mitzvah. So that's what you go back, even for Tzitzin Sheinam Ha'akvin. But says the Gemara, Piresh, you finish doing the Maisamila, Eino Chayzer Elal Ha'akvin. You don't go back for Tzitzin Sheinam Ha'akvin. Once you finished it up, you wrapped it up, you don't go back for Tzitzin Sheinam Ha'akvin. So writes the tour... Perush, second line, and a few words in. Mairi b'Shabbos. This is on Shabbos when Mila entails school of Shabbos. But if it's during the week, Aval b'Chayil, Chayzer al Hakol ben Hamaakvin ben Shein Maakvin. You go back for always. Why wouldn't you go back? Even if it's not the right of the skin, it's just a minority part of the skin. If it's a heater mitzvah to remove it, go back. Even though you wrapped it up, go back and finish it up and uh, remove uh, all of the skin, not just right. The Rambam disagrees. According to three, go back here to Shabbos. Oh, can go you go back, back as an interesting? Interesting. He doesn't say. Maybe yes. Yeah, according to Torah, go back after Shabbos a few days later. The Rambam says no. 
The Ram says, this is Bein B'chol, Bein B'Shabbos. You never go back. Once you're done, you do not go back for Tzitzit Shein and Why not? So the Brisket Rav explains, and it's uh, safe from the Rambam, you don't go back for Tzitzit Shein and because Hidur Mitzvah has to be performed at the time of the Maisa Mitzvah. When you're doing the Mitzvah, you know, while the Kiel, before the Kiel Mitzvah has been completed, you have to do the Hidur Mitzvah. Once you complete the Kiel Mitzvah, like a person who takes, if you remember from... Uh, Sukkis, you heard a shir about Hidur Mitzvah and uh, Dal, you know, Dal Minim Ban Sukkis. If you, once you pick up the Esuk that's not Mahudar, there's no, uh, no, uh, you accomplish nothing by going back and taking later an Esuk HaMahudar. You already go to the Mitzvah, you accomplish nothing. Once the Mitzvah is over, there's no, you can't add a Hidur Mitzvah later. So therefore the Rambam feels, even during the week, once you wrapped up the Makum Amigo, the Mitzvah is over, you can accomplish nothing by going back for the Tzitzun Sheinim HaAkfin. Why does the tour feel you should go back? So explains the base Halevi in his Shubis, because the tour feels the mitzvah of Mila is not over yet. The mitzvah of Mila is not over when you remove the Orha Arla. The mitzvah of Mila continues on into the future. It's the status of being Gamal, that you had the Orha Arla removed. So therefore, uh, says the base Halevi, that's why the tour feels even during the week, since the mitzvah is not over, you should go back and remove the Tzitzin She'en and Again, this seems to be a Machlekes Rishonim. And finally, there seems to be a Rambam uh, Lishitase. The Rambam feels it's the act of removing the Arla as opposed to the tour, and we'll see the Ravid who feel that it's the status of being Gamalt. Writes the Rambam in Perak Alva Vilchas Mila Lachabes that as we know, uh, the Mitzvah Mila uh, is one of the two Mitzvah Saseh that if you don't fulfill it, not only have you been Mavatal Mitzvah Saseh, but you entail, uh, you incur punishment of Kares. Misa Bidejamayim. So writes the Rambam, Once you become 13 years old, then it's your mitzvah. You have been, uh, you have negated a mitzvah say, but you don't become chayv kares ad sheyimos v'hu arel. Until you die. Kares is only if a person goes his whole life without performing a bris milah. The raiva disagrees. Amavram, ain't bazet tavlin. He says, no, the last words on the Raven. Every day you incur the punishment of Kares. So again, Rabbi Yosef Engel explains that what they're arguing about is this issue again. The Rambam feels the mitzvah of Mila is a mitzvah to remove the Ar Ha'arla. It's an act. You have your whole life to do it. But you only got to do it once. You have your whole life to do it. Every day you don't do it. You, it was a, a missed opportunity. But you don't become Chayv Kares though a person goes his entire life without doing it. Because it's one act that you have to do once. The rabbit feels it's the status of being a mouth. So every second, every moment, every day that you didn't do it, not only have you negated a mitzvah, say you become chayv kares. Because it's not an obligation to do an act once in your life. It's a status you're supposed to uh, possess at every moment. That's why many have a very negative perspective on those who want to postpone a bris. Mila shaloi bismana. The Pisrei Tshuva here quotes from the Neid of Yehuda, I'll get to point in a second, quotes from the Neid of Yehuda, who said that there was a practice of those who if the meal didn't take place on the eighth day, they would po- postpone the bris to Erev Pesach, to get out of making a seal. So first the Neid of Yehuda says, I'm not sure that that exempts everyone who's present from the tightness of Erev Pesach. He says, I'm not sure. It's not the same as a siyum, that in the Sameach, everyone, in the same way. But then he says, it's wrong, because, he says, first of all, Zrizim Magdim Elimitzvis. You're supposed to do Mitzvahs at the earliest possible time. You're not supposed to wait till Arab Pesach. You can't push it off till a Sunday. A meal Shkola Bismana should not take place on a... On a, on a you can't put your... Once it's not Bismana, it doesn't matter when it takes place. No, there's Zrizim Magdim Elimitzvis. And it could be according to the Ravid 
every day that you push it off, every minute that you push it off, you entail, you, you, you become chayef kares. This issue really comes to a head with regards to the issue that's addressed by the Dvar Avram, Kovnerov in his Chubis, where he discusses something that appears in the Gilyan Marsha in Hilchas Milo, Yerdeya Simen Reish Samech. You see over here, he quotes this following uh, the dilemma, Shaila. What if you have a base medrash that has two persons to perform on the same day? One is a mila bismana, one is a mila shalei bismana. Which do you do first? One is on the eighth day, one has been postponed. <coughs> so the Gilead Marsha on the side of the Shulchan Aruch, it says you should perform the mila bismana first. Mitzvah chaviva b'shaita, as we know. A person, let's say, misses shachris. And he has to make it up with two minchas. So which da- do you daven first? The first mincha. Then is the tefillah tashlumen for shacharis. So so to be here. First you do the mitzvah chaviva b'shaita, the meal b'smana, then the shaloi b'smana. And the Tvar of Ram disagrees. Nearly in his daiti in the second line, she'ena came. Because the meal that's b'smana, you have the whole day to do it. There's reason my demon the mitzvahs, I ask him, Avram Babayki, you should do it as early as possible. But all there is, you have the entire eight days a window for which you can perform the mitzvah meal, you don't incur any penalties. The Mila Shalai Bismana, once you wait till it's no longer Bismana, says the Dvar of Ram, now already every minute, every second, every day certainly, is significant. If you don't, you waste a day, according to the Ravid, your Mavad Ramitzah say, become Chayef Kares. So says the Dvar of Ram, you should do the Mila Shalai Bismana first, that every second counts. As opposed to the Mila Bismana, you have the entire day. And that's why we, we would try and do it as early as possible. I'm not a fan. That's do, we, do we do the Bismana first? It rarely happens, but but I'll, but we don't push it off a milo shaloi bismana to the next day. My all my children were premature, so my two sons were both milo shaloi bismana. Achanan was my oldest son. His was a milo shaloi bismana. The milo happened. The, we were, the first possible moment we could do the bris was five thirty in the afternoon. It was in this uh, it was still before the shkia, so we made a bris five thirty. A flesh of bris and. Uh, like a bar mitzvah, uh, that, you're not supposed to push it off. My second son, Michal, I'm all very opposed to the Sunday Mila Shaloi Bismana. Because I come on, and I didn't push it off the Sunday. I didn't push it off the Sunday anyway. It's easy. So I, I always railed against it. But then my Michal, has the first time uh, the brisk could be was Shabbos. So we had to push it off to Sunday. So regrettably, we had to have the Mila Shaloi Bismana on Sunday morning. But uh, I don't think it should be, uh, should be pushed off. Every second, I don't think every second, but certainly we should not push it off... Uh, to, to the following day. So again, but this whole issue, the Rambam and the Ravid, the Rambam and the Tur, Tyson and the Marit, what is the Mila, uh, what is the Mitzvah Mila? Is it the act of removing the Ahar or a status of being a mouth? And that should make a difference with regards to an- uh, general anesthesia. Can you be asleep? If it's Mitzvah, Mitzvah Shichas Kavana, but when do you have to have Kavana? At the time of the removing of the Ahar or later on? Well, you know, it's a continuous Mitzvah, you can have Kavana later on. So I think it's a machlekes ha'paisim, which really is, has its roots in a machlekes rishonim. So I would recommend for an adult who's coming to Brismila for the first time that he should have, I've been told by an anesthesiologist, this is common, um, that they can do this, is uh, like a woman has when she's delivering, you can get um, a spinal anesthesia, an epidural, and you can get a nerve blocker, and can be up during the Brismila, he can make his own brachis, and he can have mitzvah strikus kavana. Miker Adin, he could probably be asleep, most Paiskim uh, seem to side with that, but the shouldn't he should be awake, and have that kind of anesthesia where he could be awake, and fulfill both shitas uh, with the mitzvah strikus kavana. The Sri Eish, uh, makes this argument with regards to a ger as well, that a ger can't be asleep, and he says on top of that, when a ger is having a bris milah, he says he's becoming Jewish now, how could you be asleep while you're entering into the bris of a Baruch Hu? 
You can't be asleep on Rosh Hashanah. How can you be asleep at the time of your bris milah? So there, I think there's greater room to be mekel. Because Dain Grosnas, who was a Dain in London, his Chuvas Leib Aryeh, argues that woman who has to have Kavana at the time, there's no Mitzvah Strikas Kavana for the Ger. Who has to have Kavana at the time of the bris of the Ger? The Ger? Or the person performing the Milah? So the Rambam, he claims it's the person performing the Milah, not the Ger. Because the Rambam tells us a general rule. We don't pass like the Rambam, but this is the Rambam's rule. Is that whenever you're performing a Mitzvah for yourself, the Nusach of the Bracha is lit. Like, if uh, says the Rambam, you're being Kaveya Mezuzah on your house, it's the bracha is L'Kvaya Mezuzah. Check, it's Shams Yisif Tzivano L'Kvaya Mezuzah. Or L'Haniach Tzfilin, L'Sateh Petzitzis. If you're performing a mitzvah for somebody else, the mitzvah is Al. So if I put Kaveya Mezuzah on your door, you don't make a bracha, I do. The person who's Kaveya the Mezuzah, and he makes the bracha of Al Kviyas Mezuzah. Or, says the Rambam, if you're being mild someone who's not your son, the bracha is Al Hamila. If you're being mal your own son, it's limo as habain. We don't pass like the Rambam. It's always al hamila, but um, that's the opinion of the Rambam. But writes the Rashba and Masech Shabbos that everyone agrees the nusach habracha by milas gerim is limo as hagerim. It's longer than that limo hatif dambris shomoli dambris on his kind of whole little nusach habracha, but it's limo as hagerim. So ask the Rajva, why isn't it Al-Hamila? You're perf- According to the Rambam, it should have been Al-Hamila. You're performing Mila on somebody else. Not on yourself or on your son. So it shouldn't have been Limo, it should have been Al. Says the Rajva, in the name of the Rambam, Mishum de Mila's Ger, Chevet Gemurihi Al-Hamal, it's our mitzvah. To call them out, mitzvah denafshei ka'ava, to welcome him into Yiddishkeit. It's not his mitzvah. First of all, he's not Jewish. How can we speak, you know, for mitzvah Mila? It's our mitzvah to accept him into Klal Yisrael. So therefore, argues the Lev Aryeh, who has to have Kavana at the time of the Brismila? Not the Ger, but the person who's performing the Brismila. So it could be everyone would agree by, the, by a Ger that he could have, have general anesthesia, but uh, by an adult who's coming to Brismila, who's a Yid, should preferably be uh, awake, have a, a different type of anesthesia that he could be uh, awake. Certainly, though, I think we should walk away with, uh, with the message that we should not, none of us should be sleeping during any of the mitzvahs, even if you can use anesthesia during Mila. We don't have to experience pain, but we should use, uh, learn from Avram Avinu's measure of excitement and enthusiasm for the mitzvahs uh, to our Shabbos as well. Who makes the process? Oh,